first off, uh, thank you so much for, for coming out here tonight and, uh, and honoring me and honoring us with your presence. I know you're busy. You've got things going on. Uh, and also, the people joining us online, which is, I guess, something that I just have to get used to saying now. Uh, preaching, as you can kind of see in that video, is something that involves a lot of pressure, namely because it's based on God's Word, and you really don't want to mess that up, because uh, there's all kinds of negative ramifications there. However, I say that to say, tonight I'm not going to be preaching. Tonight, uh, what I want to do is share with you some convictions that God has developed in me uh, over this time uh, that, that we've spent between March 8th and this Sunday. Um, convictions specifically about um, what it means to be a pastor that honors God and that honors you. Convictions that, that God's uh, placed on my heart that have, have really changed the way that I have approach ministry and the way that I'm going to be approaching ministry. And so all I really want to do is just welcome you into that and invite you to be a part of that if you so desire. But before I move even an inch further, uh, let me go ahead and open us in a word of prayer, if you would bow with me. Father God, I want to thank you for all of the people joining uh, joining me this evening. Um, You are writing a story in every single one of their lives, and you have led us uh, through some things that I didn't think any of us any of us would have seen coming, God. And even the fact that we're here again uh, after the last several months, um, it's just a testament to your faithfulness. God, I'm so thankful that you're not done with us, that you're still using us, that you have room for us and your family and a purpose on each and every one of our lives. And uh, God, tonight I would just ask that you would, you would allow me to communicate with total clarity all that you have um, spoken to me and impressed on me, and, and really, God, just that I could... Um, I could could share convictions that you've placed in my heart and uh, put into words what, what, what you've impressed on me, Father. And uh, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have ahead of us in, uh, in just a few days coming up this Sunday to gather again as a church. We know that it's going to look different. Uh, but we also know that in Jesus, no matter where we find ourselves, the greatest days of our lives are ahead of us. So there is much reason for rejoicing regardless of the place that you have us in right now. And uh, please help us to be people that live that out. Please help us to be people that walk in light of that, walk in light of what the Son of God has done for us and what it means for us. And it's in the holy name of your Son, Jesus, we ask these things. God's people said, Amen. All right. So on the first week of our uh, series from the book of Acts, when we uh, started the outdoor uh, church services, I open up that series by just sort of sharing... Uh, my heart for, for why I wanted to go through Acts at all. And, uh, and what I said back then, and I think it still rings true, is that COVID has sort of proved to be a profound interruption to all of our lives, uh, regardless of, of you know, the, the details. Uh, COVID certainly changed everything for, for everyone in some way, shape, or form. But one of the things that it did in interrupting our lives, of all the things that COVID took from us, it gave us at least one thing, and that's the opportunity to really reflect uh, to think about life as it was before COVID, and to really ask ourselves if that's a life that, that I personally really want to go back to. And what I said on, on the beginning of that, uh, that teaching, week one of Acts, was that my mindset all through this, um, I, 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 th- I think it, it's a mistake to go through this period of time uh, with sort of this mindset that says, well, let's just get through this so we can get back to doing what we were doing before. Uh, I think the, a better mindset to have through all this um, is to think in terms of, um, you know, what, what ways would God 
uh, desire to recalibrate me so that when life begins again normally, whatever that even means, uh, it looks a little bit more like he wants it to look like. And so the reason that I wanted to go through the book of Acts uh, was because there's really no better book in the Bible to help us do that, to help us recalibrate as God's people than Acts because Acts is all about the earliest uh, authentic Christianity. So in, in saying all that, I just want to begin tonight by saying uh, that God has recalibrated me. I'm going to let that marinate for just a moment here. God has recalibrated me. Uh, he has been forming convictions in me uh, that have already changed and are going to continue to change how uh, I have been and will be approaching ministry. And, and the reason that you all are here tonight uh, is because each and every one of you are a person of influence at this church. You extend the reach of this church. Um, you represent this church. And, uh, and really, I consider it a responsibility of mine as your pastor to just open up and invite you into my relationship with God and what he's doing in me. So as I said on the front end of this, I just want to repeat here tonight, uh, this isn't going to be a 30-minute kind of thing. Uh, I just want to um, welcome you into my relationship with God and kind of invite you to step on holy ground and uh, talk about... Um, how the convictions he's placed on my life are, are, are changing the way that I do things and, and invite you, really just invite you to be a part of that if you so desire. So there's two basic convictions that I wanted to talk about tonight on the front end of us resuming indoor, in-person services. And I'll give them to you on the front end. Um, these don't, might not sound very profound. Uh, they might not sound really clever. Uh, and they're not even alliterated, which usually makes for a bad sermon. But I think that... Um, if we think through the implications of these two convictions, I think uh, they could have some pretty profound implications, and I think that they're right in line with what God has revealed in his word. So, so here's the two convictions. Number one, ministry should be deeply dependent. It should be deeply dependent. And number two, ministry should be deeply personal. Deeply personal. So what I'd like to do is, is sort of walk through what those mean, how they have changed me and, and the rest of the leaders around here and what that could look like for you if you so desire. So first and foremost, the first conviction is that ministry should be deeply dependent. Uh, so what do I mean when I say that? Here, here's what I mean. I think that we have done a good job as a church uh, employing a strategy and becoming strategic because I don't think it, it's a good thing uh, to stand on a stage and say, you know, we should make disciples or we should, you know, honor God or we should whatever and then completely divorce ourselves of all responsibility as though God has not decided to work through his people. I don't see that in the book of Acts. I don't see any warrant to, to think and live that way. And so I think we've done a good job becoming strategic as a church. Uh, for those of you uh, that have been around, you might remember that back in 2017, uh, we came up with a succinct vision statement that's sort of like our, you know, our North Star. We pulled it right out of God's word. That's to see lives transformed by Jesus. Something that's very easy to back up scripturally based on the great commission of Jesus. And with that, we even, um, we even came up with a discipleship process that's really meant to help us see that vision, uh, you know, come to life and be realized. And I, and I want to, on the front end here, I want to say, uh, I, think it's, I think it's appropriate to say that that was really good and that God really worked through that. And the reason I say that is because if you remember between Easter of 2018, if I remember that, it feels like it was about 100 years ago now, and Easter of 2019, between that calendar year, uh, we, we saw more than 100 people get baptized in that 365-day period. And I think it would be wrong uh, to mouse over that or forget that or, or, or pretend like that doesn't matter or, or not celebrate that. However, 
in saying all that, uh, the purpose of tonight is, is me to just get really vulnerable and really transparent with you and sort of open up you know, my, my heart to you. In saying all that, I want to say this. And this is a personal conviction that I've sensed in me. Maybe you've sensed it around here, but it's something that I've sensed in me. I have sensed that there's a tendency to emphasize strategy to the point that it comes at the cost of, of depending on God as though the church were something uh, that can be run through human effort alone. Uh, and, and what is crystal clear when I look at, at Scripture is that the church is anything but a man-made institution. It is something that has, Jesus Christ is the architect of it. He said he would build his church and, and it's, it is foolish to believe that the purpose of the church uh, can be realized purely through and solely through uh, human creativity or innovation or techniques or programs. Uh, this is something that, that God specifically impressed on me as we're moving through Acts. And there's actually one scene in Acts that really was just unsettling to me when I looked at it and I held it up to my own life, when I, basically when I studied it and allowed it to study me. But in, in Acts chapter 3, you have this scene where Peter is outside the temple gate and he heals a man who scripture says was lame from birth. And in doing that, that really get, you know, um, got everybody's attention really quickly because they recognized this man. They'd seen him all, all of their lives, all of his life. And so when he was up and walking and dancing and singing, a crowd was drawn and Peter used that as an excuse to preach the gospel. Uh, in doing that, Peter and John quickly found themselves under the scrutiny of the Sanhedrin, which was basically a religious legal uh, council in that day. And, uh, and Peter and John were commanded, two things happened that were really significant there. They were commanded to stop speaking in the name of Jesus and they were threatened. And what that marked was the very first time in the church that the, uh, the followers of Jesus uh, be, begun to clearly see this is not going to be fun. This is going to come at a cost. And it was really the first time that, that Peter and John were explicitly shown that if they decided to continue talking about a crucified Savior, there was a good chance that they could wind up being crucified themselves, which history tells us you know, some really brutal deaths awaited uh, the early church, uh, the, the apostles. Um, what happened after that is, is what I really feel like God uh, spoke to me through. Because what happened after that incident was, Scripture says, Peter and John left the Sanhedrin, having being threatened, having, you know, all the thoughts flying through their minds that I'm sure would be flying through your and my mind. But scripture says uh, what they did immediately after that is they went to their people and they got on their face and they prayed. And when I read that, what I immediately thought is, is uh, man, look at all the things that they did not do. They did not uh, huddle up uh, with some sort of strategic kind of whiteboard meeting. They didn't come up with, a, you know, a marketing campaign. Uh, they probably you know, thought they had enough marketing at that point. Maybe they wanted to fly under the radar a little bit, honestly. They didn't come up with a 5, 10, 15-year plan about how they're going to address these obstacles and overcome the odds kind of thing. They got on their face and they prayed and they didn't move uh, until they knew God was with them because they knew they couldn't do this without God. And if you read Acts chapter 4, you'll see that they went right to Psalm 2, which talks about the nations raging and the people's plotting in vain. But Psalm 2 also shows God to be a sovereign ruler over all nations. And they sat there and they prayed that view of God into their minds and into their hearts until they were so assured of who God was that it created a fearlessness in them. Because they knew they had been given a task called the Great Commission that they were completely incapable of accomplishing through human effort. 
And at the end of that story, it's, you know, it's a, obviously an amazing story, but at the end of it, the Spirit of God descends, the place was shaken, and what you see from then on out is that they themselves become sh- unshakable. And so in, in my life personally, it's really important for me, this whole thing, you know, I wouldn't have got up here tonight if I didn't think something I had to say was worth you, know, you hearing, but it's really important to me that, that you hear these next words, that in my life personally and in the leadership corporately, there has been and there will continue to be a greater dependency on God as we seek to see uh, the mission of Jesus fulfilled in this world. And here's what that's looked like, like for me specifically, and then what it's looked like in the leaders. First and foremost, this is a sermon in and of itself, which I'll spare you, but I really feel like I learned how to pray in quarantine. And if we had the time to talk about that, uh, I would really like to, but it would take a while. But, but I'll tell you this, uh, I've been praying my whole life. I've been praying as long as, I, as long as I can remember, but there's a world of difference between saying your prayers and praying. There's a world of difference. And for the first time in my life, this is probably a process that God has been working in me for about five years now. I can see that retroactively, as is so often the case. But for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm truly beginning to understand that prayer is about entering into a conversation with God that he started in his word. And it's centered on his revelation of who he is. And all it is, it's me moving myself into the presence of God who's already there. And it's not asking for a lot because, frankly, a lot of the prayers that I prayed over the last several months contain no petition whatsoever. But more, more times than I remember, they ended with me in tears, feeling like I had spent time in the presence of my Creator. And I don't want to go back to whatever I was doing before because that's been pretty nice, if I can be honest with you. That's what's happened in me. And, and, and that's, this has led to all kinds of changes in the eldership and in the staff. Something else that I, I've been, I was, I was excited to, to, uh, to say this next thing with you tonight. I am so proud to be able to, to sit in this chair on this stage before you and, and, and to say that as elders, we do not begin a single meeting we hold without an extended period of prayer where we pray for each other, we pray for our families, we pray for you all, and we pray for this community that God has sovereign pl- sovereignly placed us in and called us to reach. Uh, and, and actually, there have been occasions where we just completely scrapped whatever agenda we had come up with purely for the sake of spending time in, in, in prayer in the throne room of God for hours. And, and those times have actually ended in tears as we felt like we had an encounter with our Creator. It's been pretty amazing. And even on staff, I, I mean, I can tell you, uh, you know, some things that we've started doing that we never really did before. You know, it's not uncommon for us to start a staff meeting. I'll just do a little devotion out of, uh, you know, something that I feel like God has put on my heart in the Psalms. And, uh, you know, specifically, I'm sure you all have heard about Mr. Dan McClanahan going home uh, just ahead of us into the presence of God. Um, you know, when we were getting updates about how he was doing as a staff, we would break from whatever we were doing and we would get together and we would lift him up in prayer and we would lift up his family in prayer. And so that's something that has changed and is going to continue to change the way that and inform the way that we do everything around here. I, I, I hope you know what I mean when I say, and hopefully you knew this anyway, I just think it's an important thing to say, I don't just want to be a cool church. I mean, I don't want to be an uncool church for the sake of being an uncool church, but I do not just want to be a church that, you know, we have a more talented worship leader, we have a more aesthetically pleasing building, we have, you know, a better online presence or, or, or whatever. What I, what I am, am interested in, and it's not me, it's what God has said in his word, what this is about is leading people into the presence of God. 
And, and my desire, I want you to hear this just as your pastor, my desire is that when people attend these services, they walk away knowing that they spent time in the presence of their creator, knowing that they walked on holy ground, feeling like their father in heaven dealt with them and they walk away changed. You know, this idea, it's no different than what Isaiah talked about when he stood in the presence of God and he said, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. That and, and nothing less is what this is about. And that really is what we mean when we talk about seeing lives transformed by Jesus. It's about leading people into the presence of their creator. But one thing that, 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 I, know, that I know now more deeply than I ever have been before, and the staff has, has heard me say this often, is that we, we cannot lead people where we have not been. And if we desire to lead people into the presence of God, then we're going to have to spend a lot of time there ourselves. And there's no better way to do that than prayer. And, and so what that means, that's what it's looked like for me, that's what it's looked like for our leadership, but, but what that could look like for our volunteers, and as I say this, I, I know that some of this has been going on, I've just never had the chance to articulate this before, but what I would love to see moving forward uh, is that volunteer groups ahead of Sunday morning services, before those services began, uh, got together in, in, you know, just in, in tiny groups and entered into the throne room of God in prayer, asking God that he would do what we cannot do through human ingenuity, which is to transform somebody's life. And more than just a, a, you know, a front-end prayer at the beginning of the service, to, to walk through this place on Sunday mornings with, with, a, with a posture of prayer, that God would take Sarah's voice and make it more. And, and, and that God would take my teachings and make them more. That God would take these services that we put on for people and he would do with them what we cannot decide in and of our own strength, which is to change where somebody's going to spend eternity, to transform somebody's life through Jesus. The last thing that I wanted to mention before I move on from this idea, and remember I only have two, is uh, this is something that I read on Twitter a little while ago that really, really bothered me. I read a story about, a, uh, it was a pastor from China who visited a mega church in Alberta. Now, I don't know if you know what's going on in the church in China, but, um, you know, if, if, as a pastor, if your building is still standing, it's a humble building. And more often than not, you know, the church is being driven underground and in homes, and even those are being raided and pastors are being abducted. So this China came to Alberta uh, and was given a tour of the facilities of a mega church. And I'm sure that at the, end of that at the end of that tour, the people of that church were, you know, waiting for that pastor to, you know, really have stars in his eyes like he's visited Disney World or something like that. Here's what this Chinese pastor said. You all have done pretty good without the help of the Holy Spirit. And I need you to hear me say, I don't want any part of that. When I stand before God at the end of my life, I don't want to have lived in such a way that I did what I, I could have done what I did down here with or without God's help. Because that's a, that's a wasted, miserable existence and I don't think that, that God has called any of his people to settle for that. I, maybe, maybe this is something that resonates with you too, but just speaking personally, when I stand before God, I want him to be able to say to me, Ryan, you did exactly what I called you to do with the, the handful of breaths that you humans call life, and you did it out of an awareness that you could not do it apart from total dependency on me. So first and foremost, ministry needs to be dependent. But secondly, and this one is a little bit 
more personal. Uh, my second conviction is uh, that ministry needs to be deeply personal. <clears throat> so God has, uh, maybe you can tell this already, but God has shown me a lot about myself uh, over the last, really over the last year and a half, but uh, specifically in, in the last several months. And uh, usually when God does that, it is not a pain-free process. Anybody say amen to that? Um, one of the things that, that, that God has shown me, and this might not sound like it's a really big deal, I can tell you this was a hard thing for me to come to terms with. So I'm going to take my glasses off. <laughs> little mechanism. Uh, one, one of the things that God has shown me uh, about me is that I can get so focused and I can work so hard in preparing the best teaching that I can for people that I can get disconnected from the very people those teachings are meant to serve. You know, it's not a whole lot different uh, than a dad who, who, who goes through life with this mindset that says, well, I'm going to show my kids how much I love them by spending 12 hours a day at work. The problem with that is it doesn't work. And what, what, uh, what God has shown me in that is, um, is that that doesn't work. And uh, recently I've had a number of conversations with people uh, who've pointed that out in me. And um, by God's grace, some of the people who had those conversations with me were very gracious with me, very gentle with me. Um, some of those conversations were, were, were harder on me. Some of those conversations um, were coming from people who have decided that they're going to move on from the church. And I'll just tell you, I'm not the kind of pastor that is unmoved by that kind of stuff. Uh, I, 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 it, maybe it's my temperament. Maybe it's personal growth that needs to take place in my life. But um, those conversations, you know, I carry them around. And, um, you know, they're things that sometimes i got to recover from. And, and, you know, you really get used to preaching the gospel to yourself. But um, in all of those conversations... You know, the ones that were, were gracious, the ones that were a little bit more painful, I came away with the conviction. I knew that God was, was speaking to me in those conversations. And what he was telling me was that people need to connect with me beyond just a sermon on a Sunday. That people need more than just a sermon, they need a person. And so what, what that's looked like for me, I have made over the last several months a concerted effort to break, to intentionally force myself to put down the next teaching or the next whatever it is, uh, get outside of my office and just try to connect with the people that God has called me to shepherd. You know, I've had people in my office for counseling, um, but specifically I've spent a lot of time just praying with people, specifically over the phone, because that's basically all you're left with in COVID. And over these last several months, I, I've spent a number of hours, you know, praying with people about their anxiety, uh, praying with people who have lost loved ones, uh, praying with people who are going through family issues that don't have any easy solutions. Maybe you can relate to that. Um, praying with people who had loved ones that were diagnosed and in the hospital with COVID. And, uh, and even praying with people on the field, you know, as they came up after the service and talked to me about real life things that they're dealing with. You know, there's there a time when I would have just kind of said, I will be praying for you. And I just kind of decided, but maybe, maybe it's just time to pray right now. And I can tell you that um, God has breathed life into that. And, uh, and, and maybe you can sympathize with this, but there's just, there's a, you can tell sometimes when God's put a conviction on your heart and you begin to walk in that and God is really confirming this is what you need to do. This is what it's supposed to look like. This is obedience. God's done that. And there's one specific 
there's one specific incident that I'll probably carry around for the rest of my life, and it's going to be pretty hard for me not to get emotional telling you this. Uh, I'm not going to say the person's name because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but there was one particular individual that I was on the phone with. Uh, they were going through it, and uh, they were in a real tough place. And I prayed with them, and uh, at the end of the phone call, um, you know, they were crying. And they, uh, they thanked me for praying with them, and they said, here it is. They said, um, Ryan, you've been a good friend to me. And I thought about those words, and I thought, uh, you know, that means a whole lot more to me than hearing, Ryan, that was a good sermon. means a whole lot more to me. And I'll be honest with you, um, I was nervous to get up here and share these thoughts with you because I, uh, I know that I'm a man of extremes. People that are much older and wiser than me have said that enough to me that I know it's just from God. That's who I am. And so I can have a tendency to let the pendulum go from one side to the other. And so in saying all this, here's what I know. Um, I know I can't be everything to everyone. I know I can't, uh, you know, call everybody on the phone. I know I can't be there for everybody all the time. I know I can't pray with everybody all the time without abandoning the woman that I made a promise to at an altar and the four kids that I have at home. But here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. I can do for one what I wish I could do for everyone. I can do for that one person that God's put in front of me what I wish I could do for everybody. And my conviction is that if every single one of us adopts that mindset, that if every single one of us does for one what we wish we could do for everyone, then we are going to be a church that is exceptionally good at caring for people. So with all of that in mind, um, there's one particular Bible verse that God's put on my heart. We're nearing the end here. Um, for everyone who represents our church, for everyone who's a person of influence at our church. And uh, it's sort of a plumb line for, for really all of us. It's my heart's desire that it would be at least. And it's the second half of Romans chapter 12, verse 10, which very simply but really profoundly, like the Bible, says, outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, I think it's important to note this ahead of whatever is waiting for us Sunday. We're getting ready to enter into what will probably be the most maybe challenging but certainly dynamic time of ministry that, that we'll probably ever experience. Uh, because, you know, even before COVID, certainly people are coming to church with something, some kind of baggage, some kind of pain, some kind of hurt that they're carrying around. I just think that's going to really be dialed up to 10 in the middle of COVID because now we have, you know, face masks and social distancing. And I think that's going to really set some people on edge in different ways. And it's entirely possible that walking up that ramp this Sunday, you're going to have two people right, you know, next to each other. One of them thinks this whole thing is a hoax and this is a you know absolute joke, and we shut the country down for nothing. Uh, and the person right behind them is problem. You know maybe they've lost a loved one from COVID. Maybe they have uh, you know they're immunocompromised, and they got all kinds of anxieties. They come up the ramp, and the point is, uh, I think you know anybody in ministry, whether it's a, a, a pastor or the person at the front door, um, we're going to find ourselves in some really dynamic, really challenging positions that don't have easy answers. And in that, I think the most important thing for us to keep in mind. Uh, regardless of what the person in front of us is saying, what they're carrying around, what question they're asking, or what attitude they have, is to just walk in obedience to the command that God has given us in Scripture to outdo that person in showing them honor. Now, 
Uh, if you're like me, it would be helpful for you to kind of see what that looks like. And that's what I want to end with, just a, a story of exactly what that looks like. And then we'll be done. So when, when David was hired here as the, um, the small groups director, one thing that I thought would be uh, valuable to do on the front end of his time here is uh, for me and him to go to a small groups conference. And so we signed up for a small groups conference at this gigantic church down south called uh, North Point. It was a two-day conference, and we were excited about it. And um, two days out of, of the conference, we got an, an email from somebody on behalf of North Point uh, by the name of Reggie Sumter. Apparently every church needs its Reggie. They had Reggie Sumter. We have Reggie Perry. I think Reggie Perry is a little bit better but maybe impartial, so Reggie Sumter, uh, emailed, and uh, he said that we'd been randomly selected or whatever it was, and I said, okay. And he asked me a couple of questions, and I gave a couple of answers, and, and then, uh, then he emailed me back right away, and uh, he said that if David and I did not have a place to stay during the conference, we could sleep at his house. Now, at that point in time, I was uncertain of two things. Uh, first and foremost, I did not know if Reggie Sumter was a real human being, Secondly, if he did exist, I did not have evidence that he was not a serial killer. So I said, hard pass, Reggie. Uh, me and Dave are going to hop in the best Western or whatever it was. So we went down to this conference. And to be perfectly honest with you, I, you know, North Point's a gigantic church. I mean, they're reaching more than 100,000 people a weekend with their in-person and online presence. I thought, you know, for all I know, this is just big church propaganda. You know, this is an auto-generated email. Reggie Sumter doesn't exist. So whatever. We got down to the conference, and we were at, it's a seven-campus church. We went to the main campus. And I would say the main campus is comparable to the Marley Station Mall, God rest her soul. She just went up for auction. That's another story. But anyway, that's the size of this church. And I was, you know, I was enamored. It was gigantic. It was impressive. I don't know how Dave thought about it. Uh, he's taller than I am. Maybe it seems smaller to him. It seemed big to me is the point of this. So I was wandering around this giga church, lost is what I'm basically saying, and then I stumbled upon no other than Reggie Sumter. And, uh, you know, so we got a chance to put faces to names. He's a really nice guy, really personable. You know, he just answered our questions and offered to whatever. And I thought, okay, that's pretty cool. Reggie Sumter actually exists. So anyway, during the two-day conference, they had, I mean, there was, I don't know if it was several hundred, maybe a thousand different church leaders that went to this thing. And the way that uh, they, they fed us, they put us in the east wing of the sanctuary. That's how big this church was. All right. You all are the east wing of this sanctuary. Theirs was a little bigger. So um, we were eating on day one, and I found out that Reggie Sumter had actually contacted Tara because we gave our church's information when we signed up. He called Tara to get a hold of me because he wanted to invite me and Dave behind the scenes to eat privately with the North Point staff and volunteers. And they had better food than, you know, the commoners, so me and Dave got to ditch the peasants and actually eat behind the scenes with the people who make North Point, North Point, which we did. Uh, and we boasted about and lorded over the commoners. Uh, so anyway, on the, on the last day of the conference, this guy, on top of that, he actually led David and I on a personal tour of the facilities. And when I say personal, I mean it was just the three of us. And he took us to the kids' ministry areas and the children's ministry and all that kind of stuff and, and all the restricted access places. It just walked through it in painstaking detail, how they do, what they do, gave us ideas for what it might look like back home. And then uh, at, at the close of the conference, they... they they closed us out with worship and you walked out the back of the sanctuary and you found yourself in a hallway that was a couple hundred feet long to the exit. And this was really special. They lined either side of that exit with all of the volunteers that got that conference off the ground. And sure enough, Reggie Sumter was there. 
And so, uh, you know, I walked up to him. I was pretty emotional because it really meant a lot to me. I walked up to him and I, and I gave him a hug and I said, hey, man, I really appreciate you know, everything that you did for us, taking the time. And then we, you know, we walked out of there, went to the airport, hopped on a plane and came home. And I, I, I say all that to say this. I was at that conference uh, and I had the chance to listen to live some of the greatest uh, thinkers and leaders and communicators in Christianity. Maybe these names don't mean anything to you, but I got a chance to listen to Jeff Henderson, to Clay Scroggins. These are guys, are, they write books that fly off the shelves. They are being, you know, handpicked for the most high-powered uh, leadership conferences on the planet. I got a chance to hear them speak live, and I want to tell you, I cannot remember a single thing they said. I could not give you one sentence from one of their teachings. But what I remember two and a half years later is how one volunteer named Reggie Sumter, made me feel. And he made me feel like that whole daggone conference was designed just for me. Like they did the whole thing with me in mind. And so I I say that to say this, that's what it means to outdo the person in front of you in showing them honor. And if every single one of us determines to take that mindset into these services that we are going to outdo the person that God puts in front of us in showing them honor, then this is a promise. We're not going to survive COVID. We're going to thrive through COVID. And the biggest challenge we're going to have as a church is responding and adjusting to all of the growth that God's going to bring here. Because if we do that, then we're going to be right in the center of his will. And that's where God's blessing is. And so I I just want to conclude tonight by saying this. Uh, I've heard it said that your job as a leader is not to fill anybody else's cup. It's just to empty your own. And that's all I've tried to do tonight. And maybe it wasn't super profound or life-changing or whatever, but it's what God has been instilling in me. All I wanted to do was lay that out for you. And so, in conclusion, if you find this vision compelling, if you want to be a part of a church that exists to see lives transformed by Jesus, and if you want to be a part of a church that's molded by the conviction that ministry needs to be deeply dependent on our Heavenly Father to do what we cannot do, and if you want to be a part of a church molded by the conviction that ministry must be deeply personal, fueled by an ardent determination to outdo the person God places in front of you and showing them honor, if you want to be a part of a church like that, I think you're really going to like it here. And I could sure use your help. So as you've often heard me say before, that's it and that's all. Now, before I close this in prayer, housekeeping. From here on out, uh, we're going to break into different teams. Uh, from what I gather, Sarah's team, the worship team, and Megan's team, the kids ministry team is going to be out there. Reggie's team, the host team, is going to remain in here. Uh, after I close in prayer, you're free to go with them. As soon as they're done, you can slide on out of here. I want to honor your time. You don't have to stick around here for nothing. If you're not on a team already, you can feel free to hop in on one of those meetings just to kind of get a feel for what it's going to be like. And then, of course, I'm going to be around. Mark is going to be around. Aaron's going to be around. You can talk to any of us, ask questions, whatever it is. Uh, But with that, I want to thank you so much for coming out here tonight. I've personally, I've never done anything like this before. I've never gotten up just to say, hey, this is what God has placed on my heart. And uh, it's new for me. And I really feel honored that you'd even take time out of your day to do it. So with that, let me close this in prayer. Father, it's an honor to be a part of your family. Uh, It's an honor to be a part of uh, 
of your church, of something that, it, that has eternal value. God, there are so many things calling for our time and our attention that are just uh, not worthy of either of it. Uh, things that, that, um, that are going to die the moment that we do, the moment that this earth does. But God, to be a part of your family, to be a part of your church, to be a part of your work in this world, that is, there is no greater honor that you would choose to use people like us, that you would save us and redeem us and call us to yourself. God, there's just, uh, the mind fails thinking about the fact that a, that a God in heaven would choose to use people like us. Father, I've, I've uh, tonight just opened up about convictions that I am absolutely positive you have placed on my heart. And I just want to thank you that you're not done with me, that you're showing me how I still get it wrong and, uh, and your spirit is convicting me of ways that I need to change. And I'm just asking God that you'd make me a better pastor to these people as long as you give me the, the, uh, the opportunity to pastor. Um, that that uh, I'd be the, the, the kind of pastor that when you show me what I need to change, I'd be quick to change. I'd be quick to repent. And, uh, and that I'd, I'd stay in your presence in prayer, God, because there's no better, no safer, no more satisfying and fulfilling place to be. God, and I want to pray that over all of these people. God, these, um, these people here are, are uh, so incredible. God, this church is so incredible. The things that you've led us through, the legacy here, uh, the story here, it's, um, it's just a miracle. It's a testament to your faithfulness and uh, you laid an incredible foundation here and you're building off of that and you're not done with that and we all get to be a part of it, God. And just please help us to stay right behind you and right in your footsteps. There's no better place to be, God. And uh, please work in our lives. Please transform us through Jesus. Please help people to see a life transformed by Jesus when they see us. And I pray that over our families, over our spouses, over our children, and over this community, God. Uh, there's a lot of things going on outside the church that uh, aren't real exciting and uh, aren't real fun to think about or talk about, but if the church can change the Roman Empire, uh, it'll be just fine in this culture, as long as we keep Jesus at the center of this whole thing. Please help us do it, Lord. It's the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you.